from grain to glass, this show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. Hey, and I'm Brian. How are we doing today? I'm Katie. Hi. And I'm Rick. And joining us is special guest Eric. Hello. Uh, and this is the best beer show on the internet. According to our mothers. Thank well, you, Rick. Thanks, Rick. <laughs> All right. Uh, before we get too deep here, uh, I want to give a, I should probably do our ad reads here. So uh, the American Homebrewers Association does a lot to support homebrewers and, or homebrewing and homebrewers, and now they support us. Join the AHA. We'll give you discounts at homebrew shops and select tap rooms, as well as give you access to the fantastic Zymergy magazine. Click on the referral link at the bottom of our homepage and join today. I also want to give a shout out to our patrons, specifically our black belt patrons, Andy Thompson and Devin Stinson. If you'd like to be as awesome as those two, head over to Patreon. Patreon.com slash studios and become a patron today. And if you're going to do any Amazon shopping, head over to uh, blindnewsstudios.com, click on the Amazon link above our homepage, do your Amazon shopping as normal. It uh, really helps us out. All right. Wow. So we got a full, uh, I guess I would say studio, but it's uh, everybody kind of remote here. So audio is uh, going to be a little all over the place, guys. Apologize for that. But we're doing what we can in this global crisis. So, uh, yeah. Um, Brian, why don't we start with you, man? What have you been up to lately? Oh, boy. Uh, a lot is going on at the brewery. Uh, it's uh, unfortunate that we're uh, – the tap room is shut down and uh, all pretty much anything we were selling as far as kegs and draft goes is, is screeched to a halt. Uh, however, we are um, hanging in there, still brewing a little bit, still canning a little bit. Um Oops, hang on. Sorry, I'm having a technical issue. There we go. Um, OBS popped up for some reason. <laughs> uh, uh, anywho, uh, so yeah, we're, we're still hanging in there trying to figure out what to do. And like I said, it's unfortunate uh, what's going on, but it did give us a chance here. And Katie can, uh, I'm assuming can concur here that uh, we've had a kind of an, a fun and interesting time uh, deep cleaning and reorganizing the brewery. And really um, it's, I, I've torn down two breweries and I've built three and the two that I've torn down, I'm, I'm blown away by all the crap you accumulate. It's kind of like, you know, when you, when you live in the same house for 10 years and you move and you're like, when did we get that? Why did we get that? Why aren't we using it? Do we need it? So there's a lot of that going on and that's kind of, uh, it's actually really fun. Um, I think, uh, it's been pretty light and fun around the brewery. Um, I think hopefully Katie and Ethan are a little bit less stressed than they were. Um, uh, given that we ramped up pretty hard um, right before all this went down, so <laughs> uh, still still hanging in there, um, working on figuring out how to stay alive financially with the the banks and the small business association and everything. So, with a little luck, we'll we'll come out by the skin of our teeth and and still be cranking uh, beer. So, all right, yeah, awesome. Uh, Katie, how you been? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like he said, we've been re rearranging and reorganizing a lot in the brewery. Um, it's kind of weird. Right when I started actually full time there, and then it was like three days later, things got shut down. So we, we have been able to do some brewing, but it's good timing in the sense that we have, um, you know, me starting and we have our a new a newish tapper manager starting. So we can kind of um, sort of just disassemble the whole brewery and put it back together that seems to make sense with the new personnel that are there 
Um, did, did you mention that on the last show you were on, uh, Katie, that you're transitioning full time to Hopkins? Yeah, Girl? I mean, I have. I don't know if I've actually like made the, the super announcement, but there's yeah, I'm transitioning full time as of about the middle of this week from Bobtown to now just being at Hoppet Barrel. So awesome. Yeah. Very Fuck cool. Yeah. Us. All right. Uh, and Rick, man, it's been a minute. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, long-time listeners will recognize Rick as an old co-host, and we figured if everybody else is remote, we might as well start pulling in uh, some of these other folks, you know? Rick, where are you? You're on a farm somewhere, or where are you? you look like a farm. No, uh, well, I left, uh, I left Homer Bound and moved to Green Bay, Wisconsin, and so I'm in Swamico, which is a suburb of Green Bay. Um, but yeah, I'm out in the country now, but... Uh, do you eat a lot of peaches out there? I wish, dude. We can't grow peaches in Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, but you can, you can eat them out of the can. They were put there by a yeah, man. No, I eat them out of the can. Okay. They were put there by a man in a factory downtown. Yeah, it was downtown. It was downtown for sure. Um, but no, I, I uh, yeah, now that everything is online because of the Ronas, um, I can join. So here I am. Yeah. Um, well, that begs the question: that, like, Why? Why did we do this before? <laughs> well, because there's there's something to having everybody in the studio. Because I wasn't I in the studio. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> but now, like, there, I know there are like some people who listened who didn't like me. So I'm fucking back for you people. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> yep. You know who you are. Um, yeah, all of you criticizers. You're so like Carol Baskin. You've you've been doing uh, some some hypothetical uh, study of uh, distillation as of late, right? No, it's not hypothetical. I've been distilling. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah. I, I I wasn't sure if that was legal, so I didn't want to. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's only, oh, I've only been distilling. Look at for, his hooch. I've only been distilling for fuel alcohol. Oh, okay, okay. In other news, here's rum that I didn't make. Did you use some cane sugar? What? Um, use, is that Patoro? If, if I had made rum, what I would have done... No, so what I did was... Uh, I'm, I was going to make a whiskey, and then my gravity was like 1035, and I was like, oh, shit, that's not going to work. Um, so it was like 50% pale ale, 50% rye. Because I made this mash after everything shut down. So what I had in the garage was what I had. And that was like, I couldn't get anymore. So I made a mash of 50% rye, 50% pale ale malt. And then to get like five gallons, it was like 1035. So I dumped a bunch of molasses in. Because you can ferment whatever you want and then run it through a still and it'll make some sort of moonshine. I've found that the only thing that that sucks with is wine, unless you do reflux because that tastes like garbage. Because you get all of the tannins and none of the wine flavor. Oh, so fun. Really fun. Um, but this thing that I made is like a spicy rum. So... Mm. It's almost like a partially spiced rum because of the rye. 
and then there's molasses, so it's rummy. So then I just added in some of the dunder, and then now I have this murky rum. So it's actually fairly tasty, but a big thing with rum that I've learned is like rum gets better as you go along through the generations and add in like dunder from the old batches. So this is really fresh. What's dunder? Yeah, that's a good ass question. Casey <laughs> um, and I were talking about this before. So dunder is basically like back in the day when Like, there's no such thing as... What was this noise? Sorry. He's gone again. I'm, I, going. I'm gone. <laughs> no, okay. We're, I'm back. I'm back. Sorry about that, guys. I, I had to cut my internet. I'm having crazy Comcast issues today, so we're running off my phone. And my phone tried to use the Comcast connection for some reason. Yeah, he's reason. still having problems, apparently. Yeah. Yeah, Casey's having problems with internet. We'll, we'll, we'll get it figured out. Are we still keep like, on, keep on dundering. Yeah, dundering. yeah, keep going in case. Yeah, dunder. Um, no, so like they didn't, they didn't have any way to cool anything. Like you couldn't put your old like stuff in the refrigerator and just let it chill because they didn't have that. And it was the Caribbean, so it was never cool out. So you distill like your your rum wash. And then you'd have a bunch of clear alcohol at the end. It was kind of like molassesy. And then for rum, you would take some of the dunder, which is what was left in the pot, like in the still after distilling. You add a little bit of that back to give it flavor. And rums, like rum, you basically just do a stripping run on. Like you want, all, like most of the heads all of the hearts and most of the tails to give it all the flavor. And then you add in some of the dunder that's left in the still, but dunder is such a loose term. I've come to learn like some of it is like the clean dunder, like you boil it, and you get all the alcohol out and then you take it right out of the still and then you can back sweeten with that and add a little bit of molasses. I did is I sanitized a bucket and put all the dunder from in the still into the bucket. And that's just kind of open fermenting and just doing its thing. But you can go as far as like some of the traditional like Jamaican rum distilleries will dig a hole in the ground and line it with clay and then just dump all of that old shit in there and let that do its thing and then grab that and put it in like fermenters and stuff like there are a bunch of different methods for using dunder in rum. Like sometimes you put it in the live fermenter and ferment it with the dunder. And sometimes you take the live dunder out of the disgusting, like gross bubbling pit and put it into the still and just distill with it so that you're not affecting the fermentation. So there's so much like difference with that. I'm starting slow and just making like that dunder pit in a bucket and then I'm going to put it into the still 
and distill what's fermenting now, like these. And I'm going to distill those, just throwing that into the boiler and hopefully get some flavor from that without affecting the fermentation. Does that all make sense? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Because it took me, like, weeks of research to try and, like, understand what people were even talking about. The terminology with, like, with distilling is so much more regional, at least it seems like, than brewing terminology. Because, like, if I'm brewing and I'm, like, make a, a beer, like, it's pretty well defined for the most part as far as styles and stuff. And with distilling, like, it's so, like, people call things so many different names, depending on where you are. And then there's the fact that it's not legal in the U.S. to distill without a license. So a lot of your information that you read online comes from other countries. And then they have their own set of rules as far as how all of that's defined. So it's been an interesting foray into distilling for fuel alcohol, of course, only. Yeah, oh, only for fuel. This is gonna this is gonna run your lawnmower, right? Yeah, yeah. Or, or your or camper that you're in, or I don't know. What yeah, yeah. Yeah, to keep warm for my camper. To All run right. On well, it sounds it sounds like we should almost uh, do an entire episode on uh, making fuel alcohol uh, with dunder pits. So maybe we will do that in the future. Yeah, we're um, probably we're probably gonna have to do. Actually, since I'm remote, you know what? I just live in New Zealand now where it's legal. <laughs> oh, of course. So, and then, oh, there we go. All right. There's that. Okay. So we're, we're going we're gonna to keep, like, moving forward here and hopefully um, yep. be able to uh, to record most of this here. Eric, I'm, I'm Man, sorry about so this. cutting out. Am I still cutting out? Yeah, pretty bad. Yeah, oh. really bad before that. All right, here. Let me um, turn my video off and see if that helps. Um, all right. So I'm not I'm not broadcasting video, but I'll see your guys's. Um, am I still cutting out? No, that's actually oh, better. <laughs> Quite a bit better. Okay. All right. Um, right yeah, now. so uh, why don't we kind of dive into our discussion topic here? Um, and we have we have Eric Anderson uh, from St. Croix Valley Hops uh, joining us today. And I guess uh, the the first thing uh, we should probably talk about is uh, what or where is uh, St. Croix Valley Hops, Eric? So I'm up in St. Croix Falls, Wisconsin, right on Highway Eight. Um, I've got a 200 acre farm here, which about five acres is. Um, hop production. So a small part of the operation, but a big part of the operation. Okay. Um, and how, how long have you been, uh, how, how long you been, uh, in the, in the hop business? So I've been growing hops since, um, 2011. Um, my hop production basically started, I'm a cut flower grower. Mm -hmm. So I was growing, cut flowers for the wholesale market and I was getting a lot of requests for hop vines. So I just thought I'll start growing those. And so I planted that the, that in 2011, I planted 200 row feet of hops, about 30 or 60 plants. So from there it's taken off. 
Oh wow. Now I'm uh, what's that? I said, oh wow. Like that sounds so, like yeah. A little bit about our operation. A little bit about our operation. I've got five acres of hops. Of that five acres, there's a half acre of a breeding program. Um, and also three quarters of an acre of shorter rows, hundred foot rows, thirty plants per variety. So uh, there's twenty five rows of different things that I'm just going to go through. Uh, see agronomically what works and what doesn't work. So quick overview. Okay. Um, all right, so we, we kind of wanted you uh, on today uh, because it's getting to be, like, uh, well, planting season or, like, when, when you would start wanting to plant uh, hop rhizomes. Um, and we were going to kind of talk about growing hops at home. Uh, so I guess the, the first thing is what, what do you need to, like, what do you need to grow hops at home? Uh, does somebody with a better internet connection want to take this interview? Um, all right. So I, I just, yeah, I just, I can, I can, can, can you see I, I got your back, man. Uh, right, you want to just, uh, start messaging me stuff and I'll kind of, I'll carry it. Um, yeah. If, if you want, <laughs> if you want to go idea. off of our, uh, off of our kind of discussion topic there, um, what, what do we need to grow hops at home? Like what kind of equipment, uh, like, yeah, working great. Well, equipment-wise, really, to get started, you need nothing. What you need is a, a, a good spot, something uh, place outdoors that's well-drained and gets a lot of sunlight and a lot of good airflow through it. Um, even if your soils aren't totally the perfect spot, it's a small garden uh, on the homebrew side, a small area, you can amend soils and, and just quick build up your soil so that you're getting the drainage you need, and that would be done with some kind of organic matter, compost, peat, something to build up your soils. So, almost any any location for the, on the homebrew side, we can make into a, a, a decent uh, hop growing location as long as you're getting enough sunlight and enough air airflow through it. Would you say that sunlight and airflow are the the, yep. the top if you, two? Yep. If, if you want to grow hops, I mean, they, they and grow hops for, for brewing with, you're going to need the sunlight to make good cone, and the airflow just helps mediate a lot of disease issues you'd be having. Sure. Those fungus. Interesting. Okay. So you're you're growing from uh, rhizomes. So I think part part of this section is what you need hops at home, trade good the airflow, sunlight. Um, and then obviously rhizome, yep. puzzle. Uh, now you can source those. I'm certain uh, from the, the different homebrew home places. Shops are there? Are... We carry hop, actually hot plants. Um, commercially, almost everything started from a plantlet instead of a rhizome because we can get clean plant material. We work with that for a year. Um, start a bunch of little baby plants from that clean plant material, and that, that way you're starting without any disease issues. Um, and the plant, it's planted like a spring bedding plant instead of a, a rhizome. The hop plant itself is a deciduous perennial, so it dies back to the ground every year. Mm -hmm. um, and you can, like a lot of different plants that would be that rhizome, you can just dig that rhizome up and move it 
transplanted, so that works. So, right. And then another interesting part is that uh, hops are actually dioecious, if that's how you pronounce it, which means dioecious. Dioecious, right? There you go. Thank you. Yeah. There's, so that means there's a male and a female. Can you kind of yep. go into that a little bit, or? Yeah. So all hop plants that you would any name variety is going to that you're going to use or be able to find is going to be a female plant and that's the plant that flowers makes the hot cone um male plants are something that you may have around in your location if you're if your female cones are getting seed on them you've got a male plant someplace that is shedding pollen um brewers don't want growers to have hop seed in their cone it, it just drags down the hop chemistry um farmers it used to be a trick farmers would put a male out in their yard to increase their poundage that would be going to the brewery but there's no chemistry in that so you don't want males around your hop yard okay um that being said uh we're we're kind of talking about what you need to grow at home uh are there hop varietals that we just well, let, let me let me preface this with: we are in uh, the Minnesota Wisconsin area. We're in the kind of the almost river valley. You're in Saint Croix Falls, which is technically almost that valley area. But that being said, are there varieties that we just plain shouldn't be planting that will like? You know, it's a bad idea. It's no, actually, almost any variety that you can get a hold of will will grow and perform as well as expected. Okay. Uh, if, if there's a variety that you're gonna grow, say a Kent Golding, it's a lower producing hop, it's gonna be a lower producing hop no matter where. Um, say a Cascade is a higher producing hop, it's gonna be a higher producing hop in, in almost any area. River Falls, yet as you go far yourself, so hops, latitude, latitudinally, does matter from about the 40th to the 60th parallel, I believe you can grow hops. And the farther you get out to those edges, then the less likely you are to get good performance. Okay. But in our, in this, right, we're right around the 45th parallel. We're, we're in a good sweep. Anybody know where that noise is Yeah, coming? is anybody else hearing that? Hey, Casey, if you can hear us. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Is that you? I don't think it's me. Like the only, yeah. Um, is anybody lawn mowing near anybody right now? What? Here, let me mute. My All right, here. Let me. Yeah. Is that me? That that went away now. It's gone oh, now. Oh, it's me. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> I didn't hear anything. Unless that was a coincidence. Unless it was a coincidence. Do you have your iPhone headphones? That was weird audio. Okay. I didn't hear anything. Oh, uh, Brian, you're muted, bud. Yeah, I think it might be Rick, actually. (laughs) What? Mute yourself for a second, Rick. Okay, no. it's it's Rick. It's Rick. It's, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> it's you, Rick. 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 <laughs> All right. Well, you know, growing fans with new tech, right? Uh, 
so, so hopefully that'll go away. But Eric, are, would you say there are um, breeds that grow better in certain areas or is that just whether they there, produce or not? There are breeds that grow better in certain areas. Um, if you're getting out of our area, if you go south, a lot of your noble European hops will start to kind of fail on you. Um, and you get to, for some reason, like Cascade grows anywhere. And mm -hmm. I know the guys that get farther, like Southern Iowa, and you go south into that, those areas, they get kind of pigeonholed into only being able to grow Cascades. And I have a kind of feeling that if I was to really want to go grow, say, size, I should move north even a little bit further yet from where we're at. Someplace up on the South Shore, if you could find a decent, decent soil type to grow on. But in our area, I'd try anything. I, I haven't okay. found anything that that doesn't work. I mean, like so. Then we're working with a, a terroir piece here. Uh, I I like galaxy hops. Uh, if I was wanting to grow these galaxy hops in my backyard, uh, would they taste the same? Are they going to taste well, different? Well, the research is saying that they should taste the same. That terroir is not as big of a piece as far as character or what you do to that hop right now. Um, the trouble with growing the other kind of backing up just a tad, if you want to grow Galaxy or, or Citra or Mosaic, those hop varieties are not available to the public. Um, they're held privately and you cannot get a hold of those. So, Got it. A lot of the stuff like the New Zealand stuff coming out of New Zealand, Australia, or, or coming out of the Pacific Northwest right now that are the hot varieties, we just can't grow. You can't get a hold of that material. Right. And that's so like where Simcoe, stuff like that. Yep. And that's where hot breeding is way behind. We lag 150 years behind, basically, in this, in our area. And right now, there's a few small uh, growers like myself trying to breed hops. The University of Minnesota has a hop breeding program. So we're playing catch up, trying to get caught up as quickly as possible. Got it. So now, if I want to grow these, you know, in my in my backyard, like you know what we're talking about here, what what we need to grow hops at home. Uh, if if I throw down a rhizome or or a plant material today, uh, am I am I going to next year? Am I going to have this great crop of hops? I mean, like, what are we talking about here? What's my so, so your first year, you're going to plant that plant and you want to make a plant that first year. You may get a, you know, off a plant, you may get a couple ounces if you want to pick it. And at the homebrew level, go ahead and probably pick that, pick all the cones off it. It's not going to hurt it. Don't cut it down and just maybe cut the, cut your, whatever you've got the hops growing on um, for, for harvest and then put it back up and let it just die back naturally. By the second year, each plant should be producing a pound to two pounds per plant. Full European stuff, a pound, a little bit less per plant. Cascades, any of your sea hops, Centennial, Comet, you should be getting over two pounds per plant of dried down hop material. So a pound to two pound per plant, does that have any, is there any correlation between the height of the plant versus uh, your yield? There is a little correlation. The higher, the more higher the plant, the more yield you'll get. It does start running out. Um, I'd stick just to manage, you know, 20 feet 
I went over 20. A good way to plant hops. Uh, I mean, if you want, you're, you're going to have to be, should be out in the open someplace. Um, probably stick around for, away from trying to grow things on a building. But if you're out in the open, a pole, you could probably put eight hop vines around that pole, six, eight feet away from the pole, going up to the middle of the pole, kind of a teepee structure. And, and, Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> there, I was. I think Casey did it. Casey muted Brian. <laughs> I didn't mute Brian. <laughs> Anywho, uh, God, where was I going? Okay, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, Eric. Eric, you said you had 200 acres now, and you're using uh, how many acres again? Five for acres. For Five for just hops. Now, the other, this is kind of a random question, but the other stuff that you are growing um, where you're at uh, is, is, does anybody have any reason to, to be concerned about what they're growing nearby hops? Um, is there is there is a no-no plants to, to grow nearby? Uh, you know, that kind of thing. Um, if you're in an agricultural area, I'd worry about what field crops next door, maybe overspray. Um, mm -hmm. If there's a corn and bean operation right next to you, 2,4-D will kill hops really quickly. Um, the other thing is pest problems coming in. Alfalfa field getting cut next to your hop field. Um, one of the pests for hops are, are potato leafhopper. Um, those Insects love alfalfa. Alfalfa crop gets cut. The jumps got to find something green and it'll jump right over to the hop crop. Um, got it. The other, the pests are basically potato leaf hopper, aphids, spider mites. If it gets hot and dry, ja and Japanese beetle. So, okay. On a small, like if you're really urban, that Japanese beetle problem could be a problem if you've got some other crops that the Japanese beetles like to come into they also really like hops so interesting okay all right Kinda, uh, about going going back talking a little bit about soil and I know on your level it's a little bit different I, I would I know from experience that hops grow once they start growing they grow really fast and they're pretty pretty tough on soil as far as nutrients is there anything that uh somebody growing just a few plants in their yard would need to do to help help their soil or the nutrients so, in their soil so just the from a starting point if you're um, want to be organic and do hops organically amend 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 a lot of compost um you're never going to the hop plant will out strip everything the soil has to offer in, in terms of nitrogen so if you're going to supplement that a uh, hop plant uses oh, two tenths of a pound of actual nitrogen, which would equate to an actual pound of a 20% nitrogen fertilizer. So I'd be using something like 2020, um, which should give you that just about the right amount of nitrogen and potassium the hop needs. You shouldn't need any phosphorus. I mean, lawns are probably creating enough phosphorus and that's what basically runoff that would cause lakes to green up and 
So stay away from the phosphorus maybe, but unless you know you are short. Uh, soil tests from the university probably cost 25 bucks. It, it may not be a bad investment once, you know, when you get started to take a soil test and see what you're gonna actually need for amending. Got okay. it. All right. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, sounds good. So that, that kind of, is there anything else that you can think of about uh, what we need to grow hops at home? Uh, I mean, we're going to get into a couple other subjects, but uh, it sounds like we pretty much covered that. No, uh, that's just, I mean, the, the next thing would be kind of equipment then. So you grow them, not, then what do you do? So I don't know what your, your bull there, there, Brian. Right, yeah, well, I will get to it. I don't know. It's kind of a big question. So that said, uh, when when do we want to plant? Like when when's good to plant? So planting time, um, we should start planting probably. I want to plant in April. Hops, especially baby hops, just starting don't like cold, wet soils. And you may even get a really nice stretch in April, but it can turn on you, and those soils can get wet and and cold again. And you could that especially if you're starting with a rhizome. Rhizomes don't like to sit there in cold, wet soil. So I'd wait till it really, you know, anytime after May 1st, I'd almost wait till mid-May mm -hmm. to start planting in good, warm soils. They'll get, take right off and get going and you won't lose a thing. So, so that late, huh? Okay. So you're um, saying like, if you want to start, if you want to plant some hops this year, you should start ordering rhizomes like now or even like last week. Uh, you should start probably ordering your rhizomes right now and have those. I, I'm sure the brew shops probably have rhizomes right now. Um, we're taking hop plant orders right now. Um, so in the next month, you know, they'll start shipping. So, Right, right. So just uh, for the listeners, just a heads up, this is Sunday, April 5th. Of, 20, of 2020 so yep uh, yeah this uh, will be dropping on the 7th so you just you're, you're a robot casey i uh, yeah i understand yeah. sorry that's <laughs> no big deal so when to plant we're we're talking mid-april i'm sorry rather it is the beginning of april right now currently yeah uh, so beginning. what eric May. Got it. Okay. Uh, where do we want to plant? So you kind of mentioned a little bit when we were talking about uh, what you need to grow hops at home. You were saying 20 feet look good. Don't go by a thing. Like, what's our rule of thumb here for uh, where we're going to? Someplace where they're kind of out in the open and going to get a lot of sunlight. So, and, and, uh, and breeze. Not growing up underneath a tree. If you are growing right along a building, you're going to be hot and dry a, a little bit easier. So out in the open. When when would we start to expect to see uh, shoots coming up from those rhizomes? Because you plant the rhizomes in the soil up probably just a few inches from the, the top of the soil. Yeah, yeah, and if it's warm, you're going to get emergence in a couple days. Okay. Um, okay. Now, if you, one thing I should back up, and if you get hot, rhizomes in in the mail um they're probably coming in some packaging you're not going to want to keep those sealed up really tight um give them some air they want to you want to keep them moist and then cool so throw them in a refrigerator or something 
keep them cool, but don't keep them bundled up really tight in a refrigerator. They're, they will over time rot on you. Got it. Okay. Same thing uh, cold and I've, I've also heard with, with uh, hops that those first, what are the first shoots that come up? So, you said well, that, that'd be a bowl shoot, but that's more in the second year. So as soon okay. as those hops are emerging, are coming up, as soon as they get to be about two and a half, three feet, you're going to want to be training them on something to grow up on. So that, okay. first, so that first year, you plant them. They're, as soon as emergence happens, by the end of May, they're rain, and then growing up a uh, spring. Um, you'll be harvesting. Is it worth? I was going to say, is it worthwhile to maybe pick some of those? Because I, I, from my experience, you get you can get quite a bit of those popping uh, up out of the the first year, I'd leave as much green material on the plant as possible. Okay. You're trying to make a ri just make that rhizome bigger. Mm -hmm. um, the, the second year, basically, you start thinking from the June solstice. And if you want, I can just run through the second year production kind of in my head really quick. Yeah, go ahead. Go you. ahead, please. Yeah. So it, this the solstice in June, you want things topping the wire. You want that plant just getting to the top. So you, it takes about a month to do that. And from the time it's trained, which would be then May 20th or we'll, mid-May. And before that, at emergence, you want the, the emergence to basically happen at mid-April. So if you've got emergence early, you cut everything, all, everything back mid-April so that at mid-May, you're training the plant, then in, in mid-June, they're at the top and side arming starts to happen. You don't wanna start feeding if you're supplementing the feed of the hop until you, you've trained that hop vine. So at the beginning of, or mid-May is when you'd be putting your fertilizer down. You can break that application into a couple different applications. Um, and basically of disease, if you start seeing a lot for downy mildew signs, um, pulling shoots that would be diseased, they show up their really short stack node shoots that you'll see black fuzz growing at them. You basically, under the loop, you start getting rid of those. Um, the University of Wisconsin has some pretty good guidelines as to, as far as what you can spray on hops if you're worried about pests and disease. So, and then, so then they, oh, go ahead. Your harvest is going to be starting in mid-August, basically. Well, European stuff will be mid-August, um, and then your sea hops. By the time mid Mid-September is when you'll start with the noble hops. Mid-August mid is when you'll be finishing up with some of the noble or the sea hops. Got it. So, so okay. as far as that goes, uh, you're 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 telling me that like it's a it's a timing thing uh, as as far as uh, harvesting the cones go. Um, is there anything else besides like timing that we can sort of uh, figure out uh, when it's time to harvest our hot plants or our harvest so, our cones? Yeah, so harvest um, on the home route, you're just going to want to be out really watching them. So um, basically, 
as the hot comb matures, the dry matter in the cone goes down. So on the, on our level, we're, the first thing we're watching is dry matter. What's the dry matter of the actual cone? You take, go grab a quart container full of hops and you basically boil them down and just wet weight minus dry weight divided by wet weight times 100 mm -hmm. gives you your, your dry matter. What? Oh, did you see Katie smile? There was a, there's an equation. I know from growing hops, there's a lot of resources online about how to do that yeah. for those that got just got lost like I did. <laughs> but on the, so on the practical side, the cone actually starts to, it's a flower. It almost opens up a little bit. And it'll start getting rattly, really papery as you as you feel it. And if you really look at what's happening inside the lupulin is what you really want. It starts to darken and fill out. And you don't want to be picking it before that really filling out happens. And as you so picking some, you're just rubbing them. Start looking for that aroma until you start really smelling that aroma. It's not ready to go. That actually kind of brings me back to a, I want to give a little beginner hop grower tip. When you're planting your plants, make sure that you plant different varieties far enough apart from each other and you clear them uh, because otherwise harvesting <laughs> hops and having no idea because they don't, I mean, maybe Eric might be able to kind of distinguish a little bit, but you you're not going to be able to tell the difference between you there, know cascade. a lot of cone that looks exactly the same yeah well, yeah so just yeah i was just yeah just mark them really well um stakes in the ground whatever we i used to work at uh northern brewer and we would have people come in and um ask us what hop variety we were they were growing and we would just, you know it's just we have no idea you know it's just you mark it plan ahead so please do that <laughs> There was a farmer down in Baraboo, Wisconsin, that his farm manager left and took all the records of where everything was planted. <laughs> 15 acres of hops. Oh, wow. <laughs> He's no longer in business. I bet. Jeez. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I here's a random question. Can you plant a rhizome upside down? Not really. Um, you could get it too, if you do that, you could probably get it too deep and it'll have it may run out of energy before the plant would emerge, but basically that shoot will turn around and come back. It, it wants to grow straight up. Um, and when you get that rhizome, you should be able to noticeably see the buds and where the buds are. Try to point, you know, point the buds up. If it's a rhizome, you want that crown to be just below the soil surface and covered up. Um, a hot plant, if you're planting a little plantlet, the rhizome should be should have been planted right at the soil level in that plug tray, and you want that just below the soil, to a little bit deeper. If you're planting a plant, it's actually more like you can think about planting a tomato. You can actually bury those those stems a little bit into the soil, and then you new new crown. Cool. Uh, I, I have a, a just a random question about your production is, uh, but is there anything else that you want to add about kind of growing hops at, at home? 
that um, we didn't, maybe questions we didn't ask that you think are important? Otherwise, I'm gonna- I, um, Not really, I'm drying hops. Oh, yeah, we, I don't know if you want to quick. After you pick them, you're gonna to need to, to dry them somehow. And the easiest thing on the home level would be if you have a dehumidifier and a fan, just put them on some kind yeah. of screen, pull some air through them and put them in a room that you can just suck all the humidity out of them and they'll be dried really quickly, so. Um, yeah, got it. And, oh, on your level, you and use- you want them dried and then dried before you go to try to store them anyway. Mm -hmm. um, at the homebrew level, you're probably going to be using some kind of food saver bag or something and try just pro probably think you're going to get, you know, use those hops in a year. If you go sure. more than a year with it on that, in that system, just get rid of the hops. You'll have more coming next year. Yeah, and get get as much oxygen off those hops as possible, even in yeah. even when being stored frozen. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right, and so as far as the uh, harvesting of the cones goes, uh, uh, from from what from my knowledge base, each hop cone grows to a length of one or two inches. Uh, and Eric, you were saying like a, a papery green sort of a scale. Uh, in a sense, late summer, if, you, if you're pinching the cone, if the texture is papery, the cone's probably ready to pick. Uh, is that accurate? If it's papery and, uh, and uh, really nice dark school bus yellow lupulin color that's filled out. If, you, if you've been out uh, just watching your plant as it goes, it'll go from a really light yellow that's really fine to a dark yellow that's big and fat. You okay, want so big, fat, dark got it. Is. So if we've got um, like a, a lot of hops, I mean, are there like, are, is there any kind of like, you know, do we need to worry about anything while we're picking them? Um, <laughs> like, don't touch them. They're, you know, that kind of thing. Not really. There is a term called brewer's droop, which I don't know if you've experienced, but. <laughs> Say it again. Brewer's <laughs> droop. Hops have a lot of estrogen in them. Oh. So, so handle <laughs> All right, I'm picking up what you're putting down. <laughs> so brewers used to have trouble. Whoever was handling the hops would would have some trouble. But on a small scale, it's not a problem. Yeah. I know good, bigger good scale. Good to know. Bigger, uh, bigger production, and especially more in, in the pelleting production. And it's food safety anyway. Guys are wearing your you know, yeah. face mask type or whatever. And you're you're just not wanting to ingest or breathe in all that hot powder. But and and um, I had heard the that in, in the past they had they were they were called hop maids, so they had women pick hops to avoid yeah, the hop problem. Maids. back in like the you know the 1800s or whatever. Yeah. Man, when I read that, that that blew my mind. So I'm glad that <laughs> I'm glad that that, that I, my prompt got you to say that. So appreciate it. <laughs> So that so that said, uh, our mature, healthy hop plants can produce about like what you said, one to two pounds of dry cones a year. Uh, you can use them right away for brewing, um, or you can store them. Uh, what are we talking? Yeah, you're, about? Ryan, maybe your fresh hop, four to four and a half times of what your dry hop recipe would be. Mm -hmm. Is an yep. easy. Uh, yeah, let's let's repeat that. So if you folks, I mean, we're obviously quite far away because we're right at the beginning of the growing season. But if we are about to sit down and brew a fresh hop beer, we Eric repeat. Uh, go ahead and repeat that. What do we uh, I'd say four to four and a half pounds. More than what your dry hop would be. Take your dry mm -hmm. hop times four, four, four and a half and 
you'll be right in the ballpark that you're looking for. Got it. Okay. Now, uh, that being said, uh, continuing after harvest, um, so as, as hops are perennials, uh, hop plants are going to die uh, back to their, uh, I think you call it the crown uh, yeah. every year. And so that's going to allow uh, the winter sunshine, uh, you know, into the backyard. And once you've kind of gathered all the cones, uh, you're going to cut back the vines to uh, how much are we cutting the vines back to? So that, that very first year, I'd leave them until they're dead, and then you can cut them right back to the ground. Got and it. There on, you'll probably, it's much easier just to cut the whole. Is there any concerns it. with the first thing along those lines? No, not really. I have, and I don't have any winter kill problems. If you start experiencing winter kill problems, you've probably got some disease that got it going to be showing up before that happens usually it's in our climate it's downy mildew that you get a bad infection of downy mildew and it's that downy mildew that we can really fast like what's what's the rate that we're looking at you can be almost a foot a day of growth. So in that rapid expansion, wow. just after training, once they get trained, it's a little bit after that. But when you're, you know, through, you get into that June time frame, and your hops are, they're basically, a, you know, Chinooks will grow probably over a foot a day. Um, and that's where we don't want to feed them before that May t- time frame. And... But right after training or at training, you want to get a good amount of nitrogen down for that plant or have enough organic matter there because it's going to start burning through them. And your hop chemistry, if you want good brewing values, if you don't do that right away or the plant doesn't sense that it has enough nutrients, you're actually your hop chemistry will really suffer. So if you're, say, a Chinook in your you want 11, 12% alphas, and you didn't, it was struggling in that May time frame. you may be down below 10 for your alphas. Got it, okay, so that is a relative to how it's grown. That's interesting yeah. to know. Uh, so now that being said, sorry, I kind of tripped my finger off the deal there. Uh, I think the last thing on our bullet point, uh, we kind of went pretty heavy on how to take care of and all the rest of this, but, um, and we may have talked about this, like where do we buy rhizomes? Yep. So uh, any place, uh, most homebrew shops will be that you're dealing with will have a spring rhizome order for rhizomes. Um, you can always get on my website, syncroyvalleyhops.com. We sell live plants. Um, and for the homebrew market, you're probably buying my mother's stock plants that have been growing in the greenhouse all winter, have really good size and a nice rhizome underneath them. Um, we sell those. Um, otherwise, get on the internet and there's probably thousands, yeah. or not thousands, but there's quite a few locations or nurseries that, that sell hops. You're, I'm, I'm you're, sure. the, the one hard thing, if you're looking in a regular nursery, usually they'll have one or two varieties. They'll have a nugget and a cascade. Um, okay. If you want to expand a little bit out of the 
what the basic nursery trade has, then you have to go to the homebrew shop or circa there's in Wisconsin, it's basically, well, Wisconsin, Minnesota, it's basically me. There's a couple producers over in Michigan that also sell plants to the homebrew market. Is there a benefit to getting a plant versus a rhizome? Is this just sort of like the same thing with like tomato plants, seed versus, you know, going to the nursery and getting a, a plant well, or? I don't know. I haven't planted rhizomes now for quite a while. On the commercial side, when we started um, really growing, the first rhizomes we were planting, they were basically coming from the fields out west of everything they were pulling out and replacing with uh, their proprietary hops. Mm -hmm. And we were getting a lot of really diseased material. So we had a quick come up with a way and so that's how I entered the market of doing propagation and yeah so we're, you're getting clean disease-free plant stock basically yeah got it all right uh more of a commercial um I I kind of wanted to know if you you know where where are you selling your hops like what's your what's your market basically, basically in this um corner of Wisconsin, the northwest corner of Wisconsin. Um, I sell a little bit of stuff down in, in the Twin Cities, um, um, in a top, on map brewing, but um, every basically up in this corner. Um, and then say I'm, I, I grow quite a bit of Chinook and actually Nuglaris Brewing bought a good share, about a little over half of the Chinook I grew this year. They yeah, fantastic. And I use that at Hop and Barrel for well any of my Chinook beers, yep. um, and it's that's a great great hop. Yep, and so you would have used the same hop that made the cut for Nuglaris. So yeah, that always makes us really happy. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when we we started the brewery, Nuglaris was kind of offloading some stuff for one reason or the other, and I remember getting a bunch of hops from them and being like cool like this is good for us i don't know that kind of stuff never gets old for me so yeah. um but yeah is there anything anything else uh katie or eric that you guys can think of well i, I wanted to talk about i mean when, we, we've been we've been going now for quite a while but maybe we could have you back or or something and talk about your breeding program and um you know what you are are what, what that looks like and what's exciting about that but i'm not sure Brian. i don't have yep. the Front of me brian i don't know how much time we have or how long we've gone and casey's gonna lecture us for going too long <laughs> he, yeah we're, we're at i'll try up, not to lecture yeah you. i okay. did i did get a note here from i did get a note here from casey uh that says you know thank you eric uh when we close out mention that we want to get you back into the studio obviously after all this madness we've had you in before and the time we had you in before i was completely blown away i was like this guy knows everything um and uh you know, maybe this fall the top talk hop, that top talk hops again. Right. There's any a number harvest of things and, and we're, we're, we're pumped. We're ready. So yeah, Katie. I was going to say harvest season's probably Eric's busy time. So, you know, it might, might be a little <laughs> tough, <laughs> but we'll try. <laughs> maybe we can talk to Tammy. <laughs> it says Tammy's iPad under you. Yeah. <laughs> Tammy, maybe you know, she, maybe she knows. I don't know. Anyway, long story short, we're gonna wrap it up for the week. Uh, there's probably not gonna be any music coming into queue this 
Uh, we'll, we're we're going to skip the listener mail segment um, in case he's having some internet problems. However, uh, if you have feedback, please hit us up at uh, feedback at blindninjastudios.com. Hit us up on Patreon. We have a couple of Black Belt patrons, Andy Thompson, Devin Stinson. want to thank those gentlemen for uh, helping us out. Uh, we are at facebook.com backslash blind ninja studios and we are at blind underscore ninja on the Instagrams. If you guys have questions, comments, corrections, show ideas, please let us know. Uh, Eric, dude, thank you very much, Eric, of saying no problem. Valley Hops. It's always really fun to talk to you because I always learn something crazy that I never thought of. Uh, so yeah, uh, we're going to kick it off the air here. Casey will cut it. And then if you guys want to stick around, we will.